Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? Not much. Um, I am back in New York. Just started my summer class and uh, just settling in for a great summer. How was Chicago? I know you just headed back home. Yes, everybody. This weekend, I was a star daughter. Out-competed my sister by miles. Um, I flew back home to um, visit my mom for her birthday, and I FaceTimed her as I was stepping outside the Uber. She was like, where are you going? And I was like, I'm outside your house. And, you know, we had a little reunion and it was really good. Chicago is beautiful as always. I went to the lake like every day per usual. Um, I always have this moment whenever I go home, when I go to the lake and I'm like, wow, like I've been coming here since I was like, when did I move to Chicago? Like 12 or 13, you know? And it's like, I'm I'm just, just like still seeing the same lake and it's like so pretty. Yeah, yeah. And it's starting to finally warm up. I feel like this winter stayed cold so long. So it's nice that everything is just opening back up. You know, we can Nature now, is healing. <laughs> we can do no masks outside now officially, the CDC told us. Bro, so. Chicago, the CDC told Chicago you don't need to wear masks outside. And Chicago was like, okay, like downtown, nobody was wearing a mask. I was honestly surprised because it's like not, I feel like people in Chicago would still be like hesitant. Yeah, I feel like um, up by Columbia, I feel like people are very like academic-y, very like, so it's all masks still up here, but definitely downtown. yeah haven't seen a mask in a minute you can get some like dirty looks <laughs> i'm like whoa <laughs> really no same at penn like on penn's campus everyone be masked up mm-hmm. but as soon as you enter the real world people are like um why are you wearing a mask people like okay so i don't understand like the rationale behind why you would be upset as someone else for wearing a mask like who cares it's their life like if i want to wear a mask i should be able to um yeah so I think no one should ever be shamed for choosing to wear a mask outside it's their life let them do their thing I wear a mask outside sometimes when I need to um if it's packed out like why not yeah also like I'm really just not trying to be recognized in these streets exactly (laughs) it gives me anxiety like now I I still have an excuse and I'm trying to hold on to that (laughs) (laughs) I love that energy Anyways, we are super excited for today's episode because on this week's episode, we will be interviewing Marlon Stalut over a glass of coconut milk. Great, let's get into it. So this week for our drink, we chose coconut milk because I personally love coconut milk. I wouldn't have it with like, coffee or like as a creamer but um it's like a popular drink to have it at dinner in china so whenever i would go back um and we have these big dinners i would always choose a coconut milk option um and i feel like i don't like coconut water because for the longest time i thought that coconut milk was coconut water so when i drank coconut water i was like ew this tastes nothing like coconuts And so coconut milk is the superior um, coconut drink. 
out of coconut milk and water. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, for me, coconut milk is the milk substitute that makes the most sense to me because I can kind of separate coconut milk from coconuts, whereas to me, almond milk always just tastes like almonds. Um, Soy milk is just like weird. Um, And then oat milk tastes exactly like milk, which like throws me off. It tastes like too much like milk to me. Um, Also, it gives me some like gas issues. We can put that to the side. (laughs) (laughs) Hold up. I feel like your taste buds are kind of off because coconut milk definitely tastes like coconuts and oat Mm. milk does not taste like milk. Like oat milk tastes like oats. I don't know what what you mean. Like you can't you can't even differentiate. Okay, because like to me, coconut milk isn't trying to be milk. It's like trying to be coconut milk. Whereas oat milk to me, it feels like I want to be milk so bad. <laughs> you, know you hear yourself? <laughs> Why are you personifying these milks? Leave Every milk alone. has its own personality, but. In my final review, I, I think it would be like one of the top of my rankings of milks. Um, it's just, I mean, it's slightly worse than regular milk, but definitely does its own thing. Um, and I appreciate that we have it on the program today. <laughs> Thank you for this programming made available by some coconut milk brand that's not sponsoring us. <laughs> But today, moving on to our guest, we are super excited to be interviewing um, Marlon, who is a photographer, and her work is um, in so many different publications. Um, You can definitely see her work in Vice. I know she's done things for Vogue, Nylon Mag. Glamour Mag, just a whole range of things. And she does a lot of fashion photography, street photography, and she also runs a blog called Paper Boats, where you can see a lot of her work as well as um, have an in-depth look into her inspirations and her subjects. Yeah, um, and definitely the thing that I noticed most about her work is bright colors and just showing off a variety of different colors and textures that hit you like right in the face. Um, there's definitely some subtlety to her photos, but they're, they're not subtle right away. They definitely are a lot to look at and have that wow factor to them. Um, so Teresa, should we call her up? Yeah, let's call her up right now. Hi. Hi, how are you? We're so excited to talk to you. We just wanted to ask a bit about your process and then also about um, some of the shoots that you've worked on as well as kind of building up your brand. Is that okay? Of course. How did you begin with photography in the first place? Mm, At the beginning, like going all the way back, I think the first camera was um, given to me analog from my mom and I didn't really have an idea on how cameras work. So I just shot random things all over the house. And in 10 minutes, the film was full and my mom was like, okay, no, listen, this costs money. We cannot do it like that. And then I think I started like just playing around with it and I used it more and more during my studies. And it was kind of more by an accident because I started with street style photography 
And at some point, a magazine asked if they could publish my pictures and pay me for it. And I was like, you can publish them for free. I don't, if you publish them, that's already like, and then it just kind of all developed. So I never really learned it. I kind of got into it and then just developed what I would like to photograph from that point on. And I was lucky enough that clients were interested in it. I mean, I, I work in the fashion field and I studied that. So it was a, an easier start and it kind of fell together with blogging, which I did for a while and kind of naturally just always got bigger and bigger. At the beginning, it was maybe 20% photography, 80% blogging. And now I would say I haven't posted anything on my blog in over a year. <laughs> so it's more production and creative direction and photography. So throughout this process of like, um, you know, like having photography be like the center of what you do, have you ever felt any sort of like imposter syndrome because it kind of happened like by surprise? And if so, like, how do you deal with that? All the time until now, whenever someone books me for a campaign that is large enough for me to get like frightened about, I feel like, are they sure they want me? This feels weird especially because you don't have a piece of paper that says you're a photographer. Um, and I think that will always stay with me no matter how big the campaign. Um, and I think there's no real way to go against it other than kind of what helps me is looking back at the projects I've done and being like, okay, yeah, but you've done all this already. You'll be able to manage the next big step. And I am lucky enough to now have people working with me like, digital operators and light operators that kind of take a little bit away the responsibility for being in charge of everything. I remember that being a big, big thing where I agreed to jobs and I was also the light person. And then I kind of looked at the equipment they had at the studio and it's like, I have no idea how this is going to be set up. And I kind of bribed one of the studio assistants to help me and kind of Google things on YouTube on how to set up certain backdrops also that the client wouldn't notice so it's a lot of faking it until you make it I guess but yeah I think this feeling of am I really what they want or am I an imposter it will stay with me because I never really once the shoot is over I always think yeah it was okay it was never really good so yeah <laughs> yeah um in that kind of tying into that how important do you feel like some type of formal education is for um, photography and how did you accumulate those skills if it wasn't necessary through the formal process? That's the funny thing. I would never advise anyone to study photography or learn it in school or in any kind of way of education because to me, photography is a very emotional thing and to know every tiny detail about light and um, lenses and all the technical things sometimes takes this emotional side away because I feel the most beautiful photos I've taken were based on mistakes or things that I didn't plan um, and if I knew exactly how to set light I might would have not gotten this dark misty thing I wanted or I didn't want or this slightly unsharp edge that I have by mistake that I end up really loving and I think those mistakes would have never happened if I would have studied something and I feel photography is a little bit like like art in the in the form that you kind of have to have an eye for something and that is something you either have or you don't 
because I try to teach my boyfriend how to take photos of me and he does it exactly how I want to but sometimes it's just not exactly what I have in my mind because I see I want lines a certain way I see I want it this way and I can't explain that I just know that this is what I like and I think that's a really really big part about photographers that I admire they have this thing to them that makes their photos special and that's not something you can learn or that can be taught so um kind of relating to that the eye that you got from like initially doing street photography how has that translated into what you do now and the subjects that you shoot now I mean I think street side photography was just an easy way in because it was so close to blogging I don't really think there is a very artistic uh, master plan behind street style photography. It's very straightforward um, and I don't like to do it at all anymore. So it's more of a way to make money and to kind of get introduced into the industry. I also don't like doing um, passport photos or weddings, for example. I feel this has very little to do with the, the art of photography. But there's always two sides. You got to get paid. <laughs> you got to be creative. So I try to do it 50-50, but I do think it doesn't necessarily have to be just from from photography. I think sometimes people have an eye for interior or they have an eye for just a a visual concept and the way they painted a a picture, the way they kind of arrange furniture in, in a room, just the way they kind of use space and colors and the whole way things are structured that to me ties in with photography a lot. So watching movies and admiring the way things are staged and filmed and the perspectives and the way things are like communicating with each other, that all kinds of adds to what I want to do. It's, it's very, it sounds a lot more creative than a lot of my photos are because you always have the commercial aspect too. But I, I like that. I like setting up a picture and kind of filling the frame and creating this little piece of art for that moment. Yeah, and kind of going off of that, how do you see commercial photography as being different from, um, for example, the photography that you take for your blog? Or are, are they all kind of one and the same to you? No, I mean, I understand that if you shoot a commercial campaign, the product comes first. So you're already limited in that. If you were shooting sneakers, you always have to have the model either sitting or kind of pushing the foot into the camera or you can't just do a portrait shot if you're shooting sneakers. So it limits you in the way people can pose. It limits you in the way I love certain blurriness and movement or sometimes you hardly see the the clothing at all, but you kind of just have a silhouette, but it's really, really blurry. And it's almost it's almost like a painting rather than an actual photograph. But no one will pay me for that because you can't see anything of the product. So I understand that you have to make compromises for, for commercial productions. And I like to do both of them because sometimes commercial clients allow you to, hey, let's shoot a few analog shots here and there. And then maybe we can use them as Instagram pictures where it's not as important. And I luckily I kind of now get campaigns and shoots that go more in that direction where brands are a bit more open to, yeah, let's shoot creative content and uh, content and inspiring content rather than you have to see the perfect product lit up from every angle. And they're more about telling a story and trying to sell a story and a feeling than selling the actual product. 
So it's getting a bit better. And like throughout your portfolio, what are like some of your favorite shoots that you've done or like the type of shoots that you've done? Basically free projects. <laughs> Even if commercial is getting better, I still love if I have complete control over everything. And that includes styling and art direction and the people I do, I choose for makeup or the collaborations I have with makeup artists and stylists. So I think my favorite project is something I do with a hairstylist and a creative director. And it's called Crowns. And it's focused about um, diversity of Afro hair. And the hair artist kind of, um, she's a long time friend and we've worked with her on many productions. And she always wanted to do more, same as I wanted to do more than a client allowed. And in Germany, it's very, either you do cornrows or you do like an open Afro and that's basically it. And she was like, oh, but you could do so much more and you could do all of these things. And she showed us all of these examples and we're like, okay, these are pieces of art that you create. Let's kind of try to portray them. Let's kind of set a storyline and a shooting line where we portray all these women. And, and it kind of, kind of started out as our Corona project and it kind of got more and bigger and bigger. And I think we photographed around about 50 women now and magazines are starting to ask if we want to do something in collaboration with them so it's getting a lot of attention and it's really nice because it's just the three of us and we get to choose the team and we get to choose the talents in front of the camera and we're in charge of everything we're also paying for everything <laughs> but it's still it's a really really nice feeling that you can do exactly what you want yeah I really wanted to ask about crowns because that's where I first saw um, some of your photography uh, how can you talk us, to us a little bit about the shoot process for each of those? Is each of those their own separate contained shoot or are some of them being shot all together? Like what is the process? We started in our living room <laughs> because of budget problems. So we basically just set up a colored backdrop. We asked a model friend or actually one of the girls we started was a client from the hair artist in her salon. And we basically asked girls we knew and then we said, like, come over and we'll shoot you with natural sunlight from my balcony. And it was two or three girls and we shot a few of them together. But it would, everyone had their unique time and their unique outfit to kind of have her special moment. And the way Fatima kind of builds up these crowns is that she, she can usually never tell us what style she's going to go for. But she looks at the anatomy of the face and what would look really nice and then basically builds on set what comes to her mind and she kind of really matches it to to the character that she gets to know so she always jokes and says it's it's more like therapy sessions because it's such an intimate moment doing someone's hair and so there's a lot of stories that come up and a lot of topics that are being discussed in this whole process because it can take up to five six hours to do the model's hair and it's a really beautiful kind of atmosphere to be to be joining or to be part of and um, to kind of listen into to topics they are talking about and also kind of to get educated on a lot of topics. Because of course I, I researched a lot of things, but this is such a complex topic and a topic that to a point I will never understand. But it's really interesting to listen to their stories and to kind of gain insights on issues and things they have to deal with on a daily basis. So I think that's why it's a very close and personal project because you get to know all these ladies on such a personal note. 
Um, and that's why it's important that they all have their separate time slot as well and their separate shooting. Ideally, sometimes we shoot friends or sisters together, but kind of make it a very intimate atmosphere for them as well. And I noticed like even um, in the Crowns Project and amongst your other work, you shoot a lot like outdoors. Um, and so like, yeah, I guess like as a photographer, what do you feel like shooting outdoors adds to the photo or to your style? I feel it's the most natural way of doing photography. I like using natural light and I like using what the planet gives you. Um, I'm maybe also, or of, I think also because I'm not a big pro on light. I've never learned that. So I never really thought light in the studio could give me exactly what I wanted. And I like natural light and the, the energy or the power that sunlight has can just never be faked with any electronic light. And I also just prefer kind of working and um, changing how I work with how the sun moves and not having one set light and now you shoot chuck 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 and then you it feels artificial to me so I still prefer natural light a lot although I'm kind of exploring different light ways now yeah and another thing that I really appreciate in your photos is how many self-portraits you do um and I was wondering like what do you feel like your process is for taking a portrait of yourself versus um another subject or why do you chose choose to feature them in your work? I like, I mean, there's like the blogging part kind of involved into the being an Instagram person part. And mm -hmm. then I, this is one persona and the other persona is like my photography. And it's funny that you say it because I definitely prefer being behind the camera. And I think I can do this maybe for another 10 years. And then I, I don't want to be 40 and jumping in front of a camera. I already feel weird doing TikToks now. So I'm like, this I, this has ship has sailed. So it's I, I feel like the Instagram account is a lot more commercial and to a, a point also too commercial compared to what I actually want to. But it has a lot to do with clients approaching and saying, hey, we need things in two days and you have to do this makeup look in two days. And you're like, yeah, OK, then all I can do is this. I don't have the time to take an analog picture. I don't have the resources to set up a shooting how I would like it to be. So often looking at my personal ones, I'm like, yeah, they're OK, but they're not how I want to. There's so many people I admire on Instagram that really do creative content and that I I just admire for their vision and what they do, but I'm better with seeing that on other people. I think other people to me are more inspiring than myself. I know how I look, I've Photoshopped my face. I don't know how many times I get a bit tired of doing that. So I think my enthusiasm with photographing myself has kind of slowed down a bit <laughs> and I'd rather do it with other people and kind of get to meet other people and photograph them. But it is a good way of making an income and it's also, it's almost required that you have a certain presence as a photographer as well, even on a personal level. So I think it helps me a lot in getting jobs and getting my face out of there. And it's easy to be recognized if you have a certain look and if you stick to that look. So it's helped me in my career, but it's not something I'm super passionate about. Yeah, no, that's interesting how like, I feel like that's so true. Like you would assume a photographer is just always behind the camera, but now it's like, especially with the work you do, I feel like people need to like associate a photographer with a face, which is like weird to think about. 
Yeah, and I mean, there's campaigns that are now focusing on women, so they want a female photographer, and then it's maybe a certain age group, or it's very streetwear, or it's very bubbly, so they somehow want someone that fits that criteria, even if it does not at all matter who's behind the camera, but a lot of times there's BTS videos, or they sometimes like, okay, but then we're going to show the photographer on our Instagram, so it, and also the reach the photographer themselves have, so it's, it's a constant... Yeah, it's not just behind the camera anymore. It's it, There's so many levels to it that brands like to take into account. And I mean, I have a production company as well with a friend of mine, and they often ask us if we work for clients to basically introduce them the whole team. And then it's not just about the, the how good you are at your job. It's who you are as a personality and maybe the look you have or what you stand for, it has become much more important than the actual quality of work. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Like, I feel like you, you're like, I didn't sign up for this, but I'll do it. Yeah, there's pros and cons to it. I mean, I, I benefit from female campaigns wanting to shoot with someone who's a female and who wears sneakers in their private life. And I benefit from having an Instagram account but sometimes I also would love for my work to be the reason why I'm chosen. But I mean, for commercial jobs, it's yeah, there's pros and cons and I won't take I will take the advantages that come with it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and like you said that, um, you know, as a photographer, you would say you like shooting outdoors because like lighting is always a bit tricky for you. What do you see as your personal like strength as a photographer? I think, or at least people have told me that because I'm, it's, it's weird to talk about personal strength for me, but I think I'm okay with humans. So it's for me, 90% of the actual photos, how you interact with the talent and get them to do what you want to. So to create an atmosphere on set where they feel comfortable and pleasant to maybe do something out of their comfort zone for you to then get that one picture that not everyone else would get. I think that plays a a huge part which is also why I love working with with my partner um, who's who's joined me in in that mad woman we created because she's also really good with kind of creating the safe space and giving advice because it's hard being behind the camera and giving instructions whereas if she can give instructions sitting next to the camera and I just shoot it kind of takes that it kind of splits that part and we work really well as a duo and I love creating this atmosphere where, yeah, where the women that I photograph feel like, okay, we can do anything and it'd be cool. Or they don't mind about being too quirky or too dorky because they think it's fine. And I think there's nothing I say more than, oh, this looks awesome or this looks great. Or like to constantly try to, to make them feel really good to the point where they're like, okay, it's enough. We get it. But yeah, maybe that's something that is a bit different than other photographers. And could you talk about your production company? Um, what was important to you when starting to build that out? Or what what do you feel like is important to consider when you're doing work with that? Um, well, Mad Women was founded about two years ago. And I did it with um, Latili, which is like my best friend. And she had this, she comes from the field of product design. And she had this career change. And she was a bit like, I want to do more creative work. I've done a catering company now, but this is like, I want to do more creative things. And it's like, okay, listen, I get asked for doing photography and then 
organizing makeup, casting the talents, organizing styling, suggesting so many things. It's almost like doing production. How about we just kind of get together and maybe originally our idea was create visual content for brands on Instagram. Um, because I've gotten asked to do that a lot as well. And just for me alone, it would have been a little bit too much. And then we also wanted to make sure because in professional photography, I think the percentage of women working in the field in commercial photography is less than 10%. And I know on set, there's, there's just mainly dudes. <laughs> and we wanted to create this company or create this um, collective where we try to involve more females and maybe have mainly or female dominated sets because there's so many really, really cool women out there that sometimes just aren't as loud as men and that sometimes just need kind of like a gateway and then they're just going to do incredible work, but they never get the chance to. So that was a bit our like meaning behind it because I feel it's a very superficial world and to just found another production company that does something with fashion yeah, that, that's nice. <laughs> but if you can kind of put a different layer to it, we, we would love to do that. And having women on set also means having women from all kinds of backgrounds on set, not just in front of the camera, but also behind of the camera. Try to have different cultures, different religions, different viewpoints. And I think that brings a lot or we benefit a lot from all of these different opinions and viewpoints. We try to keep the hierarchy even so that a stylist can say, this photo is great, but shouldn't we not try to maybe do this pose and no one taking offense because why not? Her insight might be awesome. So let her say that the same way as we can sometimes say, oh, can we try this top with this trouser instead with her without her feeling like she's crashing my work or she's like in and this this kind of vibe worked really well. And since we have this production company and we've started working only with women that we knew or worked with before, the sets have completely changed and the I love to go to shoots because I know everyone I know it's going to be a party we're going to have like we don't have to talk much we know exactly what the other person likes we're like on one wavelength and it makes working so much more fun and you kind of push each other and when the other person gets a job they're like yeah but I also know a stylist and then they kind of get her and boat and we have that with all the women we work with that they constantly try to push each other and kind of rise together although that sounds very cliche it kind of works really really well for us and it's like a big family and that that's making work a lot more fun no that definitely makes sense and like kind of relates to your point about how like your strength is just like vibing with the subject like the atmosphere and the people you're working with like completely changes the vibe even if it's like be behind the camera um and I guess like relating to that you know like going into like a male dominated industry like what advice do you have for um young photographers or people who are like interested in like doing what you do uh, it's so hard for me to give advice because it was such a weird way to get in there mm, I think what's really important is that you have a strong Instagram presence or a website or a social media presence because that's I get a lot of requests also based on that from people that I don't know. And then it's more about the personal connecting and just kind of fighting your way through it. But I've had clients who chose me and then figured that I was a woman and then picked the guy they chose second over me. It, that happens. And I think 
if there's guys on set who make decisions, then they'll pick their buddy. And that's, you can do very little against that. So I think it's, it's important to connect with other women in the field and try to kind of, yeah, push each other, but it's really hard to, to give an advice other, the only one that I could give is like work on anything that is portfolio related, anything that you can kind of show the outside world and just let your work speak. But I know it's hard. I know it's really, really tricky. And I have a lot of friends working as photographers who can barely make a living. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think that's definitely good advice to kind of stick to your work and like explore the themes within it. And I know you are talking earlier about how you saw yourself really in the next 10 years moving away from kind of some of the, um, like the work with you in front of the camera. And I was wondering what themes do you feel like you're exploring in your work now that you wanna keep expanding upon in the future? I would love to have my photography work hang in a museum, be treated as art and come up like once a year or every two years with a project similar to Crowns where I pick like a project that maybe has a political background that has a social component that is more than just pretty pictures that tells a story but then really explore it and have the financial means to, I don't know, live somewhere else and just kind of deep dive into a topic that I want to photograph. A lot to do with the documentary style kind of and explore that more because fashion is superficial and fashion is not something that the planet benefits from. And even though I love certain couture pieces and the art of that, I am actually not really a fan of just everyday fashion. It, I'm not super intrigued by that. So unless it's not something crazy arty on your body, then I'm, then I'm more interested in the, the people and the stories they can tell or the surroundings where they come from and just kind of trying to have a message with photography or even do provoking pictures, but that really show why, or that show that there's certain problems in the world. I mean, I, I admire people who do war photography or documentary photography. I'm not cut out for that. So that's not something I can do. But to find like maybe this in-between thing of being documentary and having a really pleasing visual aspect to it. I feel that's a field that's not been discovered so much. There's a few photographers who kind of dipped into that, but kind of mix these two worlds together in an authentic way that would be ideal but you always have to find someone to finance that <laughs> yeah no yeah war photography sounds um scary <laughs> it's really really intense but you, it's so important that people picture what's happening there for victims to not be forgotten or like there's so many conflicts in the world that if you don't have someone photographing it and reporting about it they're very easy to kind of be swept under the carpet but yeah, I, no way, especially as a woman, there's also certain areas I can't go into and photograph because simply because of I'm a woman and it'd be dangerous for me. So that is something I always have to take into account when traveling to and finding things that I can photograph where it's fine. I mean, there's also, it's not just like critical areas, but also religious beliefs or certain um, communities that have where women just play a different role than what I'm used to. And it would just be very tricky, especially if you have very strong opinions on feminism, then it's just very tricky to go into certain communities because you don't want to be disrespectful 
but you also don't want to kind of limit or kind of compromise your values. So yeah, you have to be picky about what you what you choose. But there, I think there's loads of topics that I would love to explore. Yeah, I know. I never thought about that in terms of like traveling as a photographer. Um, but I guess like our last question would just be, is there anything that we should be looking out for? Any shoots that are coming up? Any projects that are being released? Like anything you want to talk about, basically. <laughs> Well, Crowns is coming to a grand finale. <laughs> We're shooting something in collaboration with Vogue. And we then kind of want to do a big exhibition where we invite all the women that were part of it. And hopefully in summer, this is actually possible again and maybe have some sort of outdoor exhibition and um, kind of showcase the hair pieces that our hairstylists did and make this like a real nice experience. That's something I really, really look forward to. And then in terms of mad women, um, we're having, I'm, I'm not allowed to say what it is yet, but we're working together with a really big um, sportswear brand and we're kind of designing our own products. So we're really excited about that because it's like the biggest collaboration and a childhood dream of Tilly and I. So, and we're shooting our campaign about that in two weeks and we're the models, which is also going to be really weird because she's even more shy in front of the camera than I am. So it's going to be really hard for the photographers who photograph us to make that uh, look some way decent. But we're really excited about it. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll definitely be looking out for it. And thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Marlon and check out her Instagram, her blog, as well as her work. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com or on our weekly newsletter, The Q. See you next week.